0: Um King of economics, uh, brain genius Paul Ryan, uh, tweeted out that the tax plan was doing great because in in some like Politico article or something, they reported some teacher that is saying a dollar fifty a week pay raise because of the tax plan. He was like, Look, it's doing great. The poors have a dollar fifty more a week. She can afford a Costco membership,
1: <laughs> which is yeah just... he's he's <laughs> celebrating that, uh, yeah, you can buy a gumball a day now. You
2: can You're welcome. Uh,
0: the the tax plan uh the tax cut literally means you get you pay less than a hundred dollars less than you would before in taxes per year I, which well, is... he went back
1: and deleted the tweet because everyone was just yelling at him but
3: <laughs> I like that there's, I, mean... I like the, I, I just love that there's always two sides to this. it's like the uh the Walmart story that came out a few weeks ago where they were like, oh, after the tax plan, Walmart raised, um, uh, you know, ra- you know, raised wages for so many of its employees, yada, yada, yada. And it was like, well, yeah, they raised all those wages because they laid off a bunch of people and also closed a bunch of Sam's stores. And like in this, it's like, yeah, well, she got a dollar fifty extra a week. But if anything ever happens ever to her, ever or her family or anyone yeah. ever stubs their toe or breaks an ankle or has a sniffle, you get to go to the ER and pay eight grand for some acetaminophen and a saline IV. It's just that's also just,
1: those- it, that's no money. That's like an insulting. I would rather get no money than an extra dollar fifty a week. That's like an insult. It's like tipping a nickel.
0: Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's like when you have like you're like a waiter or something, and you have like a, a table that had like a bill of like ninety-nine bucks and twenty-five cents, and they just like are like, oh, just leave it at a hundred. Like, no, fuck you! Don't give me seventy-five cents on a hundred-dollar fucking table. What is this? It's it's so mind-boggling. Like, what can you buy with a dollar fifty these days? Well, you can save up and invest that money,
3: Carl, and (laughs) eventually
0: you can
1: grow your wealth enough that you can afford a guillotine.
3: You've gotta get to the passive income stage, Carl. Have you not been reading these books I'm sending you? Because you really gotta learn to build your portfolio, stack your things, and diversify your investments. That's what
0: What is like the the compound interest on like seventy eight bucks a year that you stash away? Is Uh, that even like a a quarter?
4: (laughs)
1: but yeah it's like Uh, how they keep saying you know more jobs being created but almost every new job that's been created since you know 20 a week (laughs) or has been like gig jobs like uber lyft where it's not really a job it's just like you have to scrape tuppence out of what you can get out of uber driving jeez
2: yeah
0: Uh, all that such a great scam I mean, I think it's so indicative of this, like, mindset we somebody like Paul Ryan. He's like, oh, $1. fifty a month. That means a lot to the poor <laughs> It's like, he just has no conception yeah. of what it's like Yeah, to... he's
1: Lucille Bluth saying, it's one banana. What could it cost? $10? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it, like, Paul Paul Ryan to me, I mean, other than the fact that he was very obviously created in a lab underneath <laughs> Northrop Drummond, but, like... <laughs> Like, I, 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 there was not like I ever had any respect for him, but when I heard him give that, like, oh man, I was at Keggers sitting around talking about how we were gonna allow big business to do what it wanted by cutting taxes. And no, it was,
0: it was not that. It was, uh, it was, I'm sitting around at Keggers waiting to cut people's health care for poor people. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It was
1: like his stated goal for getting into politics is to get rid of health
3: care for people. And like, Like, that knowing that, like, I sat around the same kegs that he did, except with y'all, and was like, oh, you know what we should have? Free healthcare and free college. It just, it makes me aware that he is diametrically opposed to me. He might be the bizarro world, Adam, and um, I have to destroy him because there can only be one. You should destroy him.
2: Well,
0: maybe the iron stash will destroy him and be like, I am poor enough to know what a fifty extra a week is. It's not much. You're still poor. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally not enough to live on
2: <laughs> a day. Jeez.
1: Well, the Paul Ryan can be first in line when we start eating the rich. His stringy, gangly body.
5: But yeah, well, he's, he's, right, like he's made Trump, of people! Man. Donald Trump looks like he tastes good. <laughs> yeah, but Paul Ryan worked out. A bunch he might of taste of good. fishes out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Donald
0: Trump is actually just filet of fishes, because that's yeah, like all I, he I'm eats. For sure he's he, just he's
3: just grimace. That's <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he's just twelve KFC buckets in an overcoat, trying to figure out how it got to be president.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home. In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned Many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian Nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born now way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation, In those Oklahoma, hills where I was born.
3: I'm Adam Burnett. I'm Carl Roberts. And I'm Stephen Lassman. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. This week we have our Washington correspondent Adam Jameson on board with us uh and uh as much as there's probably going to be plenty of adam confusion we're gonna keep it to a minimum as best we can how you doing this week adam
5: i'm pretty good dude how about you
3: doing well doing well well so this week we had uh of course the state of the union which as i have already confessed to my co-hosts and guests um I did not watch.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Gotta say, neither did I. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think any of us sat through the
1: actual State of the Union. I, I tried
5: to watch it. I tried to watch. I, I will say this:
0: Rick Perry was wearing a burnt orange, burnt orange tie, and I was like, "Somebody needs to shoot him." Okay, okay, get this fucking UT shit out of my State of the Union.
3: Oh man! And I then had...
0: at the start, I... at the start, this is the best part: Donald Trump walked up to the podium shook Mike Pence and Paul Ryan's hands, turned around, like, clapped for himself, and then shook their hands again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I just realized that I want to see... Uh, like Donald Trump trying to a jive ha- handshake more than I've ever wanted to see anything in my entire <laughs> life. I just want to see him try and shake any ethnicity's hand. It's just going to be you a know- bumbled like confusion. It's going to be like that time when Bill just Maher like- tried to fist bump Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg just <laughs> high fived his fucking fist. Let's all remember that one time Bernie did that just
0: like on the lowdown. Yeah, well, just, just he just walked up to some kind of. And he did the whole thing, and it was just normal. Yeah, because Bernie is, like,
1: he's dope. He's down. Like, you've seen him playing basketball. He, like, throws bows. He's out there. He knows (laughs) knows what the streets are like.
3: I mean, we're also talking about, we were talking about before the show, an older form of white-on-white Italians versus (laughs) Jews versus Irish racism. (laughs) And Bernie is just, like, also kind of a minority because of living in New York and being a certain flavor of white.
0: Well, he, I mean, he did, like, he grew he's up got, before,
5: he's got one the, like, or two when the US yeah. was still like, well, fucking Jews, man, before
2: mm-hmm. we were like, maybe that's not okay. Yeah, no, he
1: grew up in the Bronx as, like, a lower middle class Jewish kid. Like,
3: he had a real last childhood.
0: Maybe Donald Trump was racist then.
1: Oh, <laughs>
3: yeah, oh no, 100%. Every, uh, uh, anyone Jewish any people of native american descent basically all minorities donald trump has spent his entire life just like not paying them to do contract work <laughs> but the but thing
0: s- with like the the like jive uh, handshake you know he tried to do that when he met ben carson the first time i did he 100% tried to do that and then but, ben carson was like i'm whiter than you yeah i was
3: gonna
5: say ben carson <laughs> just put his hands up and was like
3: oh no i don't know
5: <laughs> he was actually like, like if you try to shake Mitch, If you try to shake Ben Carson's hand, I think you just go through him because he doesn't actually have any (laughs) physical manifestation.
1: Well, so Adam Jameson, you're at ground zero for the State of the Union and for the jobs where all the jobs are coming back, like radiating from Trump's person. What's it like to be in the capital of jobs? the heart of the beast.
5: <laughs> um, As I mentioned earlier, I guess I'm just waiting for the either climatological or nuclear <laughs> end of the world.
1: So is there any like difference to being around State of the Union times in D.C.? Is that like their Super Bowl?
5: Well, kind of. So I was actually, as I mentioned, I was at the uh, Wizards game, and I was able to get super good seats to it by walking down to some like lobbyist seats <laughs> who were there or something. So that
3: was pretty nice. Oh yeah, anything you can do to take money from lobbyists is like the high, basically the highest good. It's like literally unless you're in Congress. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're not in Congress, anyone not in Congress who can take money from lobbyists, you're you're literally just like helping out other people. But speaking of people who try to take money from lobbyists and also are basically the same ilk as Paul Ryan, uh, why didn't somebody tell me about uh, what uh, old Mr. Uh, Joseph Kennedy had to say? So
0: um, I, I, I read through the transcript of what he said, um, and I think it was Vox that had some headline that was like, Joe Kennedy the Third is bringing back everything that's good about the Obama legacy. And oh, and there, no, there, yeah, they're a,
1: all, like, celebrating him for yeah. saying the same thing that every Democrat says, which is you're not being
0: very nice,
1: Mr. Trump.
0: Well, and, like, I mean, I read through it. I was really happy. He said, um, he, like, talked He he mentioned a teacher in Tulsa one time. was, like, people getting fucked by Republican politics, which was, like, that's cool. Okay, that's true. But also, you probably think Oklahoma are a bunch of hick racists <laughs> if I know anything about a Kennedy. Um, but he just, he gave this fucking um, West Wing ass, you know, it, President Bartlett speech where he. And, and it really was like an Obama legacy speech. And, you know, yeah, I. He
5: didn't call
1: anyone out. He was like, we need unity. And. Uh,
0: he didn't talk about, like, he, he said, we need college that people can afford and healthcare and childcare that people can afford. And it's like, no, we don't. We need the. It should be free. Number one, and and also this whole thing where it's like, I, I I'm really shocked by it because number one, if Kennedy goes into politics, like the dead Kennedys just get reconfirmed that their name is a good band name. Um,
2: uh-huh.
0: And number two, like the big name Democrat from like a you know that has a president in the family, you know that was brought up right be uh, in politics and so on you know that that didn't work out too great 2016 no,
1: that was what people hate about the democrats that's why they lost the election is because they've got these establishment legacy candidates that are part of this like elite group that no one likes anymore and they, they don't realize that that's what's hurting them that's why someone as detestable as donald trump can become president
3: yeah, I think I, I mean, one of the big things is 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 it speaking to the, and I mean, you know, you all have already mentioned it, but kind of the hypocrisy in interladen in the Democratic Party is not being an actual leftist organization. I mean, no, not at all. Yeah, when Joe no. Kennedy responds to Donald Trump's State of the Union, the critiques there to respond to Donald Trump for leftists are myriad and for this kind of hybrid political like honor balancing and like also not that different ideologically or politically or economically it's really hard i mean i don't even know if i was in his position i i I, I don't know all i would have tried to do is be like oh i'll just be nice on tv because like there's nothing he can say i mean he basically Mm -hmm. wants tax cuts for the rich he wants Mm -hmm. you know marginally more tax dollars to help the poor but what he really wants is increased uh, military spending and to you know continue military industrial complex and that's not any different than what the republicans want
1: and if they can introduce like one marginally socially beneficial prod prod like project Uh, maybe a public left time and they'll like toss that yeah they like, all yeah. right, maybe we can get, like, some means-tested uh, kindergarten funding program off the ground. Or, or they'll be and, like, maybe
0: we can do infrastructure because it makes money. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's
2: good for business.
1: Well, what the Democrats are doing is they're, like, rather than trying to develop any sort of real politics, is they're trying to run the the Trump playbook of getting someone who has name recognition because they think that they can win off of celebrity the same way that Trump won off of celebrity. <laughs> And it's not going to work. They're trying to do exactly no, what Trump work. did, being like, well, if Trump won by getting, having a big name and having everyone know him, then we can do that, too. Oh, man. And it's well, just irritating, because
3: we to to still run. have
0: no real choice for politics in this country. And uh, and this is the thing that, that you see whenever you look at what Bernie Sanders did, is he came out and he was like, these rich ghouls are ruining your life. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, Democrats no, he, couldn't pull that off. He pointed at someone and
1: said, these people are the problem. They are against mm. your interests. They are after you. They are the enemy, which the Democrats will never say. They will never... Well, yeah. like, I mean, this is gets said by most leftists, but the Democrats will always punch left before they punch right. Like Yeah, <laughs> every time.
2: Yeah.
3: And I, I, I think that is very informative because... Uh, so much of how i see the democrats is yeah they'd rather shove down any i mean you know you saw it with a lot of the identity politics and even before with gay marriage i mean there were plenty of party democrats running in redder states that weren't pro-gay marriage and clinton
1: uh switched her position in 92 or something like that yeah
3: yeah and and i think that like you said, they're so much more willing to try and disassociate themselves from the left so that they can have this idea of, I mean, it's just this idea of like this honor culture or this idea of politics as a zero sum game where they're going to have, you know, I see you say it every week. They're going to give some rousing <laughs> West Wing speech yeah, yeah. and fix the, every, every problem uh, by this every bill. Rule
1: working class voter we lose we pick up two in the DC suburbs Jesus
3: Ugh.
0: And then we win the White House
1: But the, I mean, yeah they just they every time they fuck up they just move further right thinking that yep. they'll get republicans to switch over but they I, they never do
0: they never will the, I mean that's the thing is that if you look at where they get their money if you look at you know some of the shit that's come out about how they you know want people to campaign and so on they just want rich people to do it. And so they just have this politics that is just discourse without any kind of meaningful content. And it's just, Except, okay, you know, I, I it doesn't a, do anything.
1: I saw a tweet recently saying that the Democrats are running low on uh, big donor money. So looks like uh, sacrificing their voting base for donor money didn't work
2: out for them as well as they hoped.
3: Somewhere the in their secret lair, the Koch brothers are just like, ha ha ha! We tricked all of our white liberal friends to not donate to them, but just disperse through third party candidates. Yeah, so the Koch brothers are the Koch brothers are too biddy busy literally eating poor people to laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean. How else are they going to feed themselves and get the nutrients they need? If they don't eat the poor, Carl, what else are the poor going to do? They're giving Uh, them livelihoods, okay? They feed them, (laughs) they keep them in their little uh, stockyard.
2: The (laughs) The next
1: app, you can eat poor people in your area. Uh,
2: It's
3: like... (laughs) I love the idea, like... It hasn't been in Black Mirror yet, but it's right on the cusp of it, of just being a slave to your phone. Like, if you have a car and a smartphone, it's just like, hey, you have to pick up this guy from the airport. Also, this family wants KFC for dinner. Also, I need you to go by Walmart, get these three things, and then come back because cool. you have That's to like deliver them. It's like living in GTA, but you hate yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you can't turn it can't off Living gta with the
0: worst
1: missions ever well
0: also without the thing where you get to just like take all your rage out by like driving a car off the top of a high, like high rise and then you don't actually get injured the cops come for you and you just like in a car wash it's okay because uh-huh. i would be a lot more okay with the world like that if that were uh-huh. a thing
3: well speaking uh-huh. of gta like scenarios and completely fake things uh After Donald Trump has... I heard heard a Trump supporter on NPR recently tout that if the Dow continued to rise like it has in the first year of Donald Trump's presidency, that by the end of his eight years, it would be Uh over 100,000 as a Dow index. And I just really (laughs) hope that we can get there.
2: (laughs) I mean, this is... So the stock market crashed, had
3: had one of the worst weeks um, since the Great Recession in 2008. Was it 2008 when it had the worst week or was it 2007?
5: It was 2009? No,
3: I think it was 08. No, it was 08. I'm almost positive it was, I, it, it positive. To it was 08. A What's really great is that the Dow from Monday to Friday of this week fell 666 points so anyone out there reading the scriptures wanting to predict Donald Trump as the antichrist (laughs) here we are
1: they keep saying like oh the economy is doing good and I mean of course they're never going to recognize it but like the first year of someone's presidency most economic benefits come from the previous administration like that was what was going on with uh Bush the like in 08 during the first Obama administration that was a result of a lot of Bush policies and everyone was like, Obama ruined the economy! Yep. He made the gas like... prices high and tried to convert me to Islam.
0: <laughs> also, he was
1: black!
3: Wait. wait. But, I'm, hold th- on. I mean, yeah, like, was this... that not what 2008 was for y'all? Because that's exactly <laughs> what happened to me in 2008. Yeah, well, uh, I, I like... lost my home and bought a Quran. It was great. I... <laughs> that's what I did! <laughs>
0: But I mean, this is also one of those things where people are like, oh yeah, the stock market is doing great. And like, the stock market may be doing great, but, you know, somebody is getting a buck fifty more a week from a tax cut. I don't
2: like, know, like, the stock the market performance is expanding. never, it
0: never anything
2: actual... It doesn't
0: mean anything of value for people. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's... It's like, gambling, in a country where, like,
0: it's just legal. Something like... Well, like, something like half the population has literally no money in the bank. How does the stock market doing well mean anything? Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I I think, yeah, I I think part of it... just for the wealthy.
3: Yeah, I think part of it goes as well to the idea (laughs) of, like we were talking about earlier, of this, like, idea of, like, cultured honor in a certain sense and, like, the way the Democrats see Wall Street as like, oh, this is how we invest in small business and grow our wealth, and yada. And it's like also this gamesmanship that the wealthy and and especially even Democrats and Republicans, but the wealthy heads of those parties and the people in Congress are like really concerned about the stock market because they have their eggs in those baskets, and the people who are telling them what to do have their eggs in those baskets. So it's important to them. But to anyone else, it's not. And if you can get into well, that game, sure. But it's just not, it's not real. Well, it's also, it's if happening it, like, yeah. Oh, it seems Go. like it's like an acceptable
1: form of nationalism for people who aren't on the far right. Just to be like, our economy is stronger than the other countries. Like, we have the best economy. We can, like, that's an acceptable way to prove logically that your country is better than the other ones. Just because you know, these numbers that really don't make that much of a difference on your average American's lives are really high and higher than they are in China or in Japan.
0: Well, and this is happening the same week that some guy wins the lottery for like a million dollars or something, goes to the fucking doctor. and And the doctor's like, "You have stage four cancer." and he dies within a week because he couldn't afford to go to the doctor before he won the lottery. So it's like, what does what this economy, what does this mean, you know? Well, yeah, is this ask, the same? yeah,
1: ask someone who dies because they don't have health care if their economy's good, then go to Cuba, who, like, you know, doesn't have near the GDP that we have, but everyone has a home and, like, yeah. guaranteed medical care, and see who really thinks their economy's better.
0: Yeah, it's the same economy where you have, like, where you have school get canceled in Tulsa, and people are living in an apartment building without heat for fucking over a month, and the, and the parents are like, I wish my kid could go to school so that they can be warm during the day. That's the economy that's apparently moving. And the kicker, the kicker is, if you read about this, the reason we had this crash, and it, this is like what's really fucking crazy, is because it's the first time we've had any wage growth since the Great Recession. And so rich people are like, oh, fuck, that's not good for us. And so they were like, now we need to, now because that might mean higher inflation, stock prices are going to tank.
1: But there's a new promising democratic program that promises tax credits for your Bitcoin purchases. So I know (laughs) who
3: I'm voting for in 2018. Okay. You can get tax credit for your Bitcoin purchases, but you have to have a pay stub from a job in the last 30 days, and you have to have two character references. So just, uh, you know. Also, it's a three-day bureaucratic thousand process thousand. where you have to go to three different government buildings and fill out 23 forms and wait 14 days. So There's also
1: the essay portion uh, and
3: the bikini
1: competition, of course. I'll I'll kill it. <laughs> well, hey, um,
2: <laughs>
3: moving on from this, uh, Carl, do you want to tell us about what's going on in Oklahoma this week? Yeah, so this week is a bit of a a slow Oklahoma news
0: week uh, for some pretty obvious reasons. Um, On Monday, that's the day we're putting the show out, we to be giving our state state address and uh, the regular session for 2018 will be starting as well as a special session that's still trying to deal with the the budget crisis that we still haven't fixed from last year. Um, But there's some really cool news about Uh, stuff going on that we're going to link to in the reddit post uh both both from uh the frontier there's a a, there's a great long form article about the proposals that have been made to change how oklahoma does uh, our medicaid program it's really worth it to see how these disgusting people in the state legislature want to make it harder for poor people to get health care um and then another one talking about the governor's race because we are getting starting to get close to it and talking about. the last quarterly reports for money raising, and I mean, when you look at those two together, I think it's really important because, like, some guy's getting six hundred thousand dollars in, you know, a fourth of a year to run for governor of Oklahoma, while we're talking about kicking poor people off Medicaid rolls. Like that, that's important to think about. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, yeah. So and, and so. In other news, um, I had an opportunity to interview the co-chair of Green Country DSA, Xavier Doolittle, yesterday. And so uh, we're going to play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy it. I'm here today with Xavier Doolittle, one of the co-chairs of Green Country DSA. And we were just going to do a little interview about what you're doing with GCDSA. And... um, How people can get involved with that, and so uh, my first question for you is: When did the chapter begin, and what were the founding, the kind of founding principles you guys wanted to start with?
4: Well, I may not be the best person to ask when it all started, as it started last February, as I understand it. There were a couple of organizing members involved. uh, Well, really, right before the summer started, and uh, one of the people that still remained, and I believe you interviewed her before, Emily Eldridge. She really kept the torch going all through the summer. We started reorganizing back in August, and that's when I originally came in. I've been a member of DSA for a lot longer, uh, but I was in Kansas City for most of the time when it was organizing, and I moved back to Tulsa. Uh, really, at the time, there was just a lot of talk about, you know, being interested in socialism, the DSA project, and especially the Bernie Sanders campaign. I've been involved with uh, organizing work primarily through, before with the IWW and uh, working also longer before that environmental activism with like the Sierra Club so we really had to decide what was our principles going to be when we started moving together what really changed things I think immediately for organizing is when we just stopped meeting and started doing actions the first major action that we had we mobilized people for we only had maybe eight nine people uh, come out but there was this uh, cleanup in Tahlequah of an illegal dump site and we managed to move people out there or help organize the effort and actually made inroads with people outside of Tulsa so we changed from Tulsa DSA organizing committee to Green Country DSA because we decided that kind of outreach to people all across Northeastern Oklahoma especially rural underserved areas which are not going to get a lot of political groups interested immediately and that's where we get started actually getting involved in we got a branch starting now in Tahlequah we've got people involved in Rogers County Mays County and uh, as far as, like, the principles go, it really comes down to community organizing and action. Uh, you know, DC is a broad multi-tendency organization, a large diversity of tactics, but for us, uh, moving forward, we really want to focus on direct community outreach to individual people. And I think that's the change people are seeing that makes us different from a lot of other leftist organizations that came before because of the connections we've made with a lot of local community organizations.
3: Yeah, and I... I find that very interesting because – so I grew up on Grand Lake uh, right on the Mays-Delaware line, and um, it always kind of blew me away, uh, the the role churches play in that aspect of really community organizing because they're one of the only places that are active community centers in those kind of rural communities. And the same with high schools in a certain sense because, you know, you just kind of have these dotted high schools that, you know, have whatever reason this, you know, municipality has gotten the state funding for a high school, and if they don't have a high school, they've got a church. And so I, I, I really – and I have taken a big interest in that kind of community organizing because it is very interesting. Um, and so what has the turnout been like for these kind of events that you guys have been putting on both uh, internally and when you're going out and uh, you know, talking to people?
4: You know, it varies dramatically. Uh, when we first started organizing, you'd been really—we were—I was very surprised at the turnout, having been someone who's done this kind of work for a while. We had, you know, twenty to thirty people regularly coming to the organizing meetings, and we still get that same turnout for our big regular meetings. With our working groups, we start—we started meeting really regularly. We have, you know, anywhere between five to seven events or meetings a month. And there's a core group of people that attends most of those, but we also get a lot of, you know, more activists that have specific issues that they're involved with. Uh, We recently partnered with this organization called The Incorruptibles uh, to build a workshop specifically about community political organizing. And for that event, we managed to get about 25 people, almost all of which were not core DSA members. We're starting to move very much towards more public-facing events like that. Like later in this month, we have a, a community forum on Medicare for All. And we're also building, in April, a big conference on the Green Corn Rebellion at the Woody Guthrie Center. And so with those kind of events, we are seeing an increase of turnout. But what it really comes down to is finding the core group of people who can actually mobilize to get out to events. There's a lot of people who don't really go to meetings, per se. So, yeah, we still get, you know, that core group of people, you know, 10 to 15 people every meeting. And uh, that forms the core in which you can mobilize a large group of people. That's the whole point of organizing. But we're really trying to focus less on this idea of mobilization, of like getting people out on a specific event or just at a march or a rally and start onboarding them onto a larger cause. That's why we're really focusing on these very specific priority campaigns with direct policies on the municipal level. When you mentioned about faith groups uh we originally started meeting at this place called east side christian church disciples of christ we maintain a very good relationship they're an activist church really and there's a lot of activist churches in tulsa i mean all souls unitarian uh and there's one that as uh, skipping my mind, bethany uh bethany baptist church as well is really involved in activism and the action tulsa is a big group of these kind of faith groups and temple israel is one that we're building an involvement as well as synagogue a reform synagogue uh, we really wanted to reach out directly to faith groups, something that a lot of you know, organizations like ours have done, really. One of our main coalition partners that we're involved with right now is called New Sanctuary Tulsa, which is an organization of faith groups based on creating sanctuary for undocumented immigrants. Uh, you know, that is where the community lies in a lot of places of Oklahoma, and there's not a lot of alternatives for people. And we want to go down to where people are accessed and where they are and find out exactly how we can get to them in their communities.
3: Yeah, and that actually uh,
4: bridges well into what I, I uh, wanted to ask about you.
3: I wanted to ask you next, um, and that is, you know, of these kind of in your experience of organizing so far in Green Country, what have been some of the more surprising or exciting things that you've seen in organizing and in organizing with new people?
4: When I started really organizing in leftist circles, you know, when I was in the IWW, uh, both here and then in Kansas City briefly. And working on that, you get this kind, and it also you know, Occupy down here, uh, Occupy Tulsa specifically. A lot of the folks that we organize with in the core group were originally part of that movement. Uh, you know, and there's also like the Oklahomans for Health folks on Vote Yes for 788. You see a lot of the same faces. You see there's an you know I want to call it a class, but the an activist subculture really. And there's subcultural signifiers. You know, there's a you know unspoken rules that sort of thing. What I find incredible about DSA is that While we're an activist organization, I mean, it's really, like, diverse as to who actually comes out to the meetings. You know, I I mentioned once in one of our meetings, we had a union worker who has never done any activism in his life, a young man named Joshua Navarro. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, We had, like, an educational reformer that was working on business at Northeastern University, an economics professor. Several working class people, not just student activists, not just academics, but like a broad diversity of people of all different ages, which is an issue that sometimes people levy at the current DSA and the previous one, because previously it was all oh, seems too old. Now it seems to be sometimes too young and you know the pendulum swings back and forth, but we've maintained a huge diversity of people that are involved and active. And a lot of these people have never been involved in activism before. That's really exciting. That's what excites me the most because just like last Sunday with the protests at JFK airport, when you really want to create change and actually do economic organizing to actually push power, you have to have a mass movement of working class people. It can't be sectarian. It can't really be purely political. We are a political organization, but you have to be able to organize across broad lines. Class consciousness—that's really what it's about. It's not purely political, but it's the social problem. And we provide as much as a social welfare organization. That's why we're not a political party. We have a much broader mission of reaching out to people, and that's why community organizing has been kind of our number one push.
3: Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, that that brings me to my very next point, which is uh, what events do you guys have coming up in February?
4: Well, our major initiative that we have moving forward through spring that we're focusing on is our break-light clinics. Uh, You may have heard before New Orleans DSA was the one that really started that, and we have three clinics planned, one in March, April, and then May. We decided to really try and spread out to different communities, so we're doing in North Tulsa in March, and then East Tulsa in uh, April after that, and then we're actually going out to Tahlequah in May. We've been trying to get the exact dates, so I can't uh, give you exact dates yet because we're still trying to figure out the venues. But we're hoping to do, actually, with uh, Vanessa Harper and District One, and work on a resource day on the twenty-third of March. Uh, and that's really, and we're actually in contact with the mayor of Tahlequah's office, Jason Nichols. And he's very interested in working with us as well. And that's kind of the whole thing. Like by doing this, you develop those contacts with the community, and that makes it you know more than just a service or just an event but you actually start developing the relationships you need to do a long-term change uh so on the 11th is our working group meeting that we're going to actually make sure to have the determined dates uh i mentioned before there's a forum on medicare for all that we have partnered with ou tulsa community medicine school of community medicine that's primarily they're trying to get students and providers out and again, so it's not necessarily we're co-sponsoring it, but we want to get as many people that are involved either in academia or training to become a doctor or our doctors already to come out and have that town hall discussion. Uh, and later this month, I mean, we are actually canvassing on President's Day on the 19th. It's going to be community-based uh, canvassing. We have several people who are interested in running for office, one in particular, and some people that have asked for endorsements. So we're going to start training people on how to go out and our focus is going to be simply to kind of do the Momentum UK model of an inquisitive, what are the issues that are important to you, and then get back to them and reactivate them as going forward.
3: So you've talked about some of the short-term goals you all have. What are the long-term goals for GCDSA right
4: now? I, per, you know, the, the, we are a very democratic organization. When we make decisions as to what our priorities are going to be, we want them to be made as a collective. So just want to preface, this is... Some of this is personal because we've not necessarily voted on what our long-term priorities are. This year we did vote on, in addition to the Medicare for All priority, uh, three other priorities that we want to try and push for hard in this year. One was going to be decarceration. That's why we're moving on the Break Lights Clinic to try and push as much as possible against the private prisons and the you know, the carceral estate here in Oklahoma. Second was the immigration issue. We really wanted to get involved and educate people on how it is something that we're all additionally culpable for with human ability. Most of the people that are undocumented immigrants were put into those positions by the economic conditions we created here in America. And finally, it was minimum wage, which was you know a major motivator all across the nation. We want to expand that conversation the same way that New York City did when they did their minimum wage campaign. There's an organization called food justice that organized minimum wage workers in the fast food industry across many different shops you know a non-union based labor organizing and what they did is they created boards and fees that would allow them to have more control over their hours which is i think the major fight for labor beyond just compensation is more control over what you have in your actual schedule those are kind of our midterm goals going forward through the year so Personally, I think the real change that we're going to see is changing from a purely, as I mentioned before, purely political activist role into that more social community role. And what I'm very interested in is economic organizing. To elaborate, what I mean is, you know, involvement with cooperatives, which have a long tradition here in Oklahoma. We have several members who are looking to buy land, get involved with the food desert problem in North Tulsa to provide both producer and provider uh, cooperatives, and if you can actually follow the model of organizations like Cooperation Jackson in Mississippi, uh, they built this model of trying to build a commonwealth of these organizations that goes beyond the traditional trade union model of organizing communities economically for a collective ownership power, and I can opan on that for hours if he'd let me. But I'll just refrain like that's, I think, going to be the real long-term move for Green Country DSA because I think that's the one that's going to have the most impact on Oklahomans, especially in rural areas. And it actually connects to people in a way that I don't think they will necessarily go buy into as far as government. Um, what I like to say sometimes, you know, I distrust Oklahoma's government as much as most conservatives do there is a lot of reason not to trust that this can all simply be done through a legislator uh you know making decisions or creating revenue because as we continually see even when revenue is made it is slushed to some direction you know it's there's so much graft going on in the oklahoma state legislature that i can't necessarily trust that we can convince people of state solutions alone what really I see is important for us to move into convince people and show them through socialism is that it's about collective ownership and involvement. You become invested in what you have. So a lot of the tax policies we are talking about, and a lot of the economic policies we talk about, we're always talking about not just a palliative solution to a symptom, like you know trying to patch up like this nutrition food desert issue. It's not enough to provide more food to people. It's not enough to just take in a grocery store or give them enough benefits that they'll make a grocery store in North Tulsa. It would be far more in the long term empowering for people if we could actually involve them in the process, give them more control over their workplace through a cooperative. Create a commonwealth support for the the people that are involved in that. The big thing we're talking about is providing especially for people who have felony records or conviction records provide even uh, hiring that they would not otherwise have for a good paying job with good benefits and control over their workplace. That's economic organizing. That's like the long-term and the model of organizations like Richmond Progressives Alliance and Cooperation Jackson. These are the organizations we often look towards maybe more than necessarily other DSA chapters because that's what we're invested in the long-term to be involved in. in the long-term, what we wanna do in Tulsa and Tahlequah, we're talking with folks in Stillwater, and all across northeastern Oklahoma, and hopefully we're going to be partnering with our sister chapter here in, Oklahoma, in the Oklahoma City area on the same issue, because I know personally a lot of people are excited on the exact same issues there. If we can get statewide organizing, that I think starts changing. We build from the bottom up what we want to see.
3: I, I think one of the As someone who's done some organizing and worked with a lot of organizations, I think one of the hardest things that you do as an organizer is maintain short-term movement with long-term goal. Because so often, you know, it's kind of that not realizing you're off the path until you're way off the path. You know, you keep taking, you know, uh, you know, even if you make eight right steps, if you make sixteen wrong ones along the way, you're pretty far off the path. And I think that that a lot of times with short-term organizing can get difficult because you're making small logistical decisions but i actually think you already kind of laid out i i i I think one of the great things um that i see out of a lot of leftist organizing is the adherence to democratic values in a way that i really don't see with our culture of ingrained first past the post voting systems and so i really like the kind of plurality that leftists employ of uh i mean you'd already kind of mentioned you mentioned it earlier the guys voted on directives that you were focusing on within the time period and you kind of can can
4: micromanage that down and and if i may like add this is where i saw the change happen in the chapter really i mentioned earlier it was that wild dump cleanup was the galvanizing point for our activity but when we got after that made our bylaws voted and ratified them it was uh i mentioned earlier a lot of our core membership were former occupy tulsa folks and a lot of the you know there's a lot of criticisms about the occupy movement i'm one of the people That has criticized them before and so i come into this as someone who was more traditionally thinking of organizing from uh traditional i would say like you know cio type organizing uh where you would have you know steward type organizing and that kind of community organizing so i was uh skeptical uh of the model produced through occupy which is the the general assembly we use a general assembly format with some modifications for our decision of building consensus and every meeting we have is action and proposal based. We do discuss, you know, through particular, you know, agenda items and we go through as to far as particular actions we can take to assign volunteers, answer questions and concerns, but almost every time we meet there's a period of open assembly in which anyone has a voice and can make a proposal. We have this rolling of actions from, you know, one week to the next. And everyone, like that diversity of tactics, everyone can get involved on it. We made the very conscious decision that every meeting we have is open to every member, and every member gets a vote. When our steering committee meets, everyone is invited to come, and everyone can vote equally to even a steering committee member. We don't have any sort of vertical hierarchy. And more importantly than the hierarchy and the voting is the privilege of information and access. I think we've seen before with some organizations, even leftist organizations, where The idea can be a need-to-know basis sometimes, and there are always concerns of, you know, security culture. Uh, And I I would definitely think that's something we always have to take into consideration when it gets into something like direct action. But as the kind of organizing that we do, because that's not necessarily what DSA, even Green Country DSA, does directly, or the kind of broad community organizing that we're interested in doing, everyone has a chance to come on board. And whether you're a dues-paying member or not, if you come to a meeting, you are invited to vote. And if you want to, if you don't agree with what's going on, you are asked and given the opportunity to speak. No, we can and do vote if necessarily. We've made decisions based on voting, but almost always we vote on consensus. No, there's only a couple of you know, decisions we've made has come to an actual vote. Uh, we always, well, I mean, we always take a vote, so I mean, there's only been a couple of times where we've had to have, you know, count votes, so to speak, right? I mean. um, and honestly, if it comes down to a count, you've kind of not really done your job yet. A lot that's, I think, when people say democracy, and there can be this tendency that what they mean is maturitarian decision-making. Uh, and I, and like, this is what I was, you know, I understand that sometimes you have to make decisions uh that's why i still we still do have made decisions based on a vote count but you at least make sure that every single person that has dissented has an opportunity to have spoken and their have their concerns at least addressed by the body if you don't do that and i've seen so many chapters even within the essay have not given that opportunity and instead We've had the benefit of being a relatively small chapter. We have about 50 active members now, which is pretty good for, I think, for the, you know, how many times we've been in Oklahoma. But, you know, there's a lot of other organizations that have regularly 50 members at a meeting. We usually only have about 20, you know, 30. Uh, so maybe this won't scale, but at the present time that we're at, it's made us much more effective as an organization. And it's made sure that every single voice that we have, especially people that are otherwise marginalized or minority voices have an ability to be there. So the, all those principles, you know, progressive stack is you know something that DSA has used for a long time, but it's also come out of the Occupy movement. We want to take that principle and make sure that we have it not just in theory, but in practice. Yeah,
3: that's very awesome. And like I said,
4: that's, I think that's one of the things that always has drawn me back
3: to... Uh, good leftist organizing and honestly just good organizing in the first place i mean there's some good organizations that i've worked with that have been uh focused on particular problems and it's an it's an amazing thing when you really see good organizing and that's one of the things that i think has so impressed me with dsa just in the last uh year in oklahoma is kind of been the move that uh all that the entire movement has gotten and it seems a lot more solid well um is there anything else you'd like to tell us about coming up
4: I will say the one event that I, I did forget to mention that comes back to coalition partners, kind of go off what you said with good organizing. One thing that we do very make very important is show up to other events and with other organizations. And that creates a, I think, gets lights a fire under not just ourselves, but other folks. We started this work very recently in the last month or so with like New Sanctuary Tulsa. DREAM Act Oklahoma, and now some Oklahoma City organizations have reached out to us, including the local DREAM Act chapter and the uh, Sanctuary Network chapter here in Oklahoma City to create a coalition of these groups, an Immigrant Rights Coalition is the current working name. And we're meeting on the 22nd uh, at about, it's going to be 6 p.m. in the Rudisil Regional Library. And we're trying to call in as many organizations that are interested in the issue of undocumented immigrants and immigrant rights, especially right now with the ramping up of targeting of actual activists. Uh, three weeks ago, a activist in Tulsa, Marcela, was a member of New Sanctuary Tulsa, and she was initially arrested under a criminal charge that was dropped because it was a false charge, but they detained her because of her immigration status was, I believe she was out of status, and she has been detained for the last three weeks. New Sanctuary Tulsa protests weekly, and we've tried to be present at all possible, and add our voices to that. Um, this is a very real, you know, problem. Like, the, the activist targeting that ICE is doing and other organizations has expanded dramatically. And real solidarity isn't, you know, just saying that you, those words. Like, we have to realize that, especially, for instance, you know, I'm a white man, and someone who has never had to deal directly with the kind of issues, you know, that undocumented folks reach or any immigrant issues have um we and i'm someone frankly and this is one of the the principles sanctuary network what they do is i'm someone who can get arrested i'm someone who in my position uh in life can take on that uh real organizing real action if we want to do any kind of direct this is what i you know organizing is about power and the kind of long-term community organizing we want to do outside of direct action, is about collecting economic and political power in our communities so that we have leverage. But like like I mentioned earlier with those protests and GFK Airport, they shut it down. And if you want to actually make change, you have to make people uncomfortable. You're going to have to sacrifice. And unfortunately, this hasn't gone through with everyone that's been involved, and it's just something I've only very recently been able to come to personally. It can't be a hobby. Can't be a club or a book, you know, reading group. Um, it's the, the the stakes are so real for these people that are involved that any chance we have to give something that someone else can't give on themselves, if they're undocumented, if they have a criminal record, or they have a family, if we can be there to do that, it's our responsibility to do so if it is at all possible for us to do. And that's an underlying principle, of not just you know DSA, but any organizing. And so I just want to leave with that message for sure. Like, if, if anyone here, you know, is listening, can offer anything, and it doesn't have to be at literally being out there because, especially for, you know, disabled folks or differently abled folks, not everyone can participate in meetings or marches, but there is something anyone can contribute. Like, uh, Adam here is definitely contributing by a signal boosting, I would say. I know he's laughing, but it's it's a very, that is a very real contribution. Uh, but the thing is, then I'm extremely have been guilty of this in my life. It wasn't until August of last year that I think I seriously understood what I'm saying right now, that we are in the zero hour you know, of our of changes. And the next five years, America is going to be dramatically different. How dramatically different it's going to be, it's kind of up to us, honestly. It's not something we can leave to the forces of history because we are the forces of history. So that's all I want to say is, like, if you can contribute in any way, just reach out to anybody and ask what you can do because someone will have an answer for you, I'm sure.
3: Well, hey, thank you so much for coming by today. That's awesome.
4: Thank you, Adam, for having me.
3: So we hope you enjoyed the interview with Xavier Doolittle from Green Country DSA. And for this week's conservative reading list, I'm going to turn stuff over to Carl. So this week we have gone to that, um,
0: you know, the the place that keeps on giving of Oklahoma news Uh, publication, the Oklahoman. We finally came back. We're sorry we were cheating on you, whole world, but. I mean, I don't know how many times I'm going to say they've outdone themselves, but this, they, they they wrote one called Oklahoma Businesses Face, face Harsh Harsh Consequences from SQ788. That's the one to uh, legalize medical marijuana. Um, and essentially, like, the point of this article is that if you make medical marijuana legal, people are going to be high all the time which is funny because I'm sure that half of the people at the Oklahoman editorial board went into work stone. Like, that's just, like, the natural number of people that go into work stone at any workplace.
1: They all do um, whippets in the parking lot before work.
0: They're all just a bunch of cokeheads, actually, because they still think it's the 80s that's their economic... It's really their politics, so maybe that's the thing. Um, but let's get into this, because this is, this is really amazing. They really did galaxy brain themselves here. Uh, so they start. In Oklahoma, there are still many good-paying jobs that don't require a college degree. First sentence, fake news. Um, <laughs> but the complaint we we'll hear from
2: uh, any... I mean, it is... That's not, that's yeah, not a thing. Let's no, all be honest.
5: <laughs> We're, We're taking the true. term back. We're reclaiming that term. Yeah, there's, there's not
2: good
1: opportunities for people without a college degree in Oklahoma. <laughs> for the even job for that... <laughs> people with a lot of college degrees don't have good opportunities.
0: I mean, the jobs they're referring to in this first sentence, this is how bad this article is, that we're stuck on the first sentence. But, but the jobs they're referring to are the ones where you get blown up at a gas well because the company just violates safety requirements all the time. Um, th- that's what they mean. And if you don't get blown up, you get laid off like every like 13% of Chesapeake's workers. Um,
5: yeah, or you get robbed, <laughs> like Marshall at his truck stop.
0: <laughs> it's,
5: not a, it's not a good job. He works at your truck stop.
0: <laughs> but Let's that, dip- keep going. <laughs> um, and so they continue. But the complaint we hear from many business owners is that is they can't find enough applicants who can pass a drug test to fill those jobs. Yeah. Also, Galaxy Brain, just don't drug test people. It's fine. Who cares? Um, mm. That problem will be made exponentially worse by approval of State Question 788, the proposal to legalize mar- medical marijuana. Um, this once again, just
3: this is great because, like, not only can you not drug test people, but like you can also just performance test people. If someone comes to the job and just sleeps all day, they don't have to be high or drunk to just sleep or be a terrible worker, and yeah. you can just evaluate that and just look at them and see if they're doing a good job or not. And also, yeah, I love the idea can... that like medicine like i don't i'm for legalizing recreational marijuana so we can tax the hell out of it but like i don't really like the whole medical portion of it but like this idea that like people who are prescribed a medicine are worse workers oh you have to get health care yeah but to be fair i think if
1: they could, a lot of Oklahoma businesses would fire you if they found out you were taking other medications, too. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> but like, what? that's what You're we have HIPAA for. Antidepressants? <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: going to get to that, though. I, we're going to get to that, because that's a, an important thing uh, later on in the article um, about businesses firing. Um, and so so they continue. In reality, SQ788's le- legalization is quote-unquote medical enabled. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not, <laughs> then yeah. it would be recreational. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
0: it would effectively authorize widespread recreational use of the drug and would do so in a way that makes it difficult for businesses to fire employees who are impaired on the job, increasing those businesses' viability. It's not as true. To- Oklahoma's at-will employment, they can just fire you whenever they want to for no reason. And as long as they don't explicitly say they fired you because you were high on the job, they can't get in legal trouble.
1: Also, this is as opposed to now, where no one smokes marijuana in Oklahoma because (laughs) it's not available medically,
5: which doesn't
0: happen. I've never seen marijuana in my life, actually, in the state of Oklahoma. Um, (laughs) And uh, so so they go on. If SQ788 is adopted, it will be another obstacle to job creation in Oklahoma and an open invitation for companies to relocate to other states. I think Goodbye. the
5: correct term is yet another obstacle. Um, I think you can look at every state that's legalized
1: marijuana and see how that's actually been way better for making people yeah. relocate to your state.
3: Not only that, but well, Adam, but... don't try and edit these articles, cause they didn't even proofread these. We find spelling errors, yeah. there are commas just randomly, the quotes are good. Because they're not attributed to anyone or anything. They're just yeah. thrown in randomly, like air quotes. It's just yeah. It's like Carl's earlier. It's like medical. It's like we just throwing quotes around shit. There's like yeah. Th- this there's a drastically later. It's like. Pff. This is garbage.
0: Uh, it's also a thing where it's uh, part of this thing with medical is it's because the state has to regulate it. They're like, we would, in general, legalize it medically, and then the, the state government would need to come up with rules to regulate how we do that medically. So it's like, okay, motherfuckers, just read the bill. Um, let's keep going. <laughs> this was highlighted in a recent interview with local attorney Vic Alpert, whose work includes helping employers ensure a drug free workplace. Oklahoma has, quote, one of the most Pro-employer statutes of any state in the country, end quote, when it comes to workplace drug and alcohol testing, Alpert says. Today, an Oklahoma business can require employees to take a drug test following a workplace accident that causes injury or property damage at random as part of a routine fitness for duty exam and as a follow-up to a rehabilitation program. Employers may also test, quote, for cause, end quote, if they have reason to believe an employee is under
3: the influence of of drugs at work. So they can just fucking test you for drugs. Yeah, if if they (laughs) have for cause (laughs) testing and random testing, what do you need other testing for? You could just you don't. be you like, just at, you know <laughs> what? Today's the day, Jim. I'm sorry. Nah, 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 nah. Go down, piss in the bucket, we'll check it out.
1: When you start your job at Walmart, they insert a mandatory catheter that constantly <laughs> monitors your urine to make sure you never take drugs.
3: That's, That's what freedom thing. is, actually. They actually replace <laughs> one of your eyes with a webcam so that they can make... <laughs> Speaking of, did you guys see the article uh, where Amazon, Amazon has filed for a They're, like tracking your yeah, movements? to track their workers' hands and feet while they're in the warehouse yes. so oh that they God. know you're working. Yeah,
5: no, seriously, we joke about That's Yeah. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Yeah, we joke about Walmart putting a catheter on you, but that's not too far off from Amazon, like, buzzing at you every time you move your hand
0: wrong. Well, I mean, but that's what the Oklahoman editorial board wants. Yeah. Like, in general. Like, they want this massive tyranny of of capital over every fucking inch of our lives, you know?
1: If you're at the point where you're literally tracking motion for, like, a single misstep, why not automate that fucking job? You, oh, you just but... don't get the same satisfaction of making someone miserable while uh, it's no, being done? That's the point. <laughs> um, it's actually, that, that, uh, Jeff Bezos feeds on human misery like a vampire.
5: He's just like the Koch brothers. He has to eat on the poor to live. <laughs> yeah, I think a dark wizard tried to kill him when he was a child and, like, Left part of his soul in his body, which just made the people around him really sad for the rest of his life. I didn't know you were a Scientologist.
0: <laughs> Jeff Bezos is actually going to fly a DC 10 into the sky. <laughs> um, gonna happen. And he's going to do it because he profits off food stamps. Um, <laughs> oh. Um. <laughs> I accidentally
1: closed the articles. <laughs> uh, while we're on insane Silicon Valley dipshit billionaires, did you see Elon Musk's new line of flames? Yes. Players? No, I remember about that. What the fuck
3: uh, is wrong
0: with this? Uh, How do people think that's cool?
3: Okay.
2: How do people
3: think that The cool? same people He's who literally... think that's cool were the same people who, when Charlie Manson was like, no, no, when the race war comes, we're going to go to the desert and race dune buggies. They are the exact yeah. same class of people. It's, it's miraculous.
1: That's true. yeah. That's like the same mentality. <laughs> Elon Musk is just Hank Scorpio from that Simpsons <laughs> episode. He's like uh, a wannabe Bond villain.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
5: Alright. Yo, yeah, uh, I love this. Uh, I loved this pun at the end of the Oklahoman article. Oh.
2: We're gonna says, get
0: there, we're gonna get there. Uh, yeah, so you wanna, gonna, do you have
2: it reopened?
0: Reopen? Yeah. Um, and so, so, so here they go, here they go. Um. Continuing some shit. After that a long, extended riff. <laughs> um, businesses are free to decline to hire any job applicant that's test positive for drug use, including marijuana. Employees who test positive on the job may be disciplined, suspended, or fired. Yet Albert notes notes this would "quote unquote" drastically change if FQ788 becomes law. Like I said, stupid. Stu- why? Why would you quote one word from somebody? Why would you quote one word? That's like the shit you do in sixth grade English, and then your teacher's like, you're not quoting sources.
3: Merriam-Webster defines marijuana (laughs) as a
2: cannabis (laughs) bud (laughs)
3: dried, ground, and smoked. (laughs) That's
1: actually Um, important for most Oklahoma readers who have literally never seen
5: marijuana in their (laughs) lives. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they're like five subscribers all of them okay, who okay, are Oklahoma readers are the types of people grandma. who bought an eighth of
1: oregano for $150 <laughs> in high
0: school <laughs> from like that one black guy oh, they <laughs> own, who they also use as the reason they're not
2: racist
0: <laughs> uh, they continue an employee who has a "Quote unquote
5: medical marijuana card." Yeah. Medical marijuana. <laughs> it's
0: not a quote card. unquote thing. That's what it would be.
2: Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. I read from- that as like they. I like I substituted the words "quote unquote" in there before <laughs> they said medical marijuana. Well, and that's,
0: I mean, that's what they mean though. like it's not really medical marijuana. It's like, okay, <laughs> motherfucker, get out. Um, but they they say would be protected from many of those consequences, and anyone anywhere for any reason could get a quote-unquote prescription under sq 788 no it's a prescription it's from a doctor that said you can smoke weed that's literally what it is not
2: it's it's not
3: i
5: gotta say though i got one of those and it was total (laughs) 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 like that was a quote-unquote doctor (laughs) that was a quote-unquote prescription (laughs) <laughs> to, to be okay that's
3: true the, to be fair the people
0: I know that got it in Colorado were just like I climb rocks and I like to get
2: high. No yeah, man, I, mean, I
1: have back I mean yeah, yeah you go to a guy whose name is like Dr. Good Times in a strip yeah. mall <laughs> and he's like yep. hey man you anxious and you're like yeah it's like right
2: I'm on. really anxious here about this pod interview yeah so the Dave's guy Dave's not I here like- man <laughs> <laughs>
5: The guy I went to his office was in an apartment (laughs) and I sat there and I was like I was like legitimately having digestive issues at the time which is why I was trying to do it and then when I got done I don't think he listened to a word I said because at the end of it he was like oh yeah so like as you said uh like you have migraines and that's something that we can prescribe the marijuana for. I think
1: um, you just found a drug dealer with sticky.
2: Notes.
0: That'd be a good business, though. Yeah, being a
2: it sounds a drug like it would
0: in a medical state, but being a fake doctor.
2: Yeah, then... Oklahoma
3: legislator. This is gonna create jobs. <laughs> oh man. Okay, keep reading, Carl. Yeah, let's keep going.
0: That's because. Unlike other states with medical marijuana laws, SQ seven eighty eight doesn't require any specific qualifying condition to receive a card. Once again, like I said earlier, it's because SQ seven eighty eight says the state legislature needs to create the rules for regulating this. That's why it doesn't have the language in it. Um, let's keep going. Keep going. Albert calls that a quote major difference, end quote, between Oklahoma's proposal and the laws in other states, which often limit marijuana use to specific instances such as Cancer patients are those with epilepsy or people with migraines that the doctor says you have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thus, Albert says, people in Oklahoma can obtain a marijuana card for, quote, subjective reports of symptoms that can't be objectively measured, like headaches, muscle pain, menstrual cramps, and nausea, end quote, which is As not how we prescribe.
5: Are menstrual cramps real, guys, though? So that's like, that's <laughs> been made up by the leftists. News media. (laughs) That's that's a load of (laughs) hoist. That's just some... To
0: quote the only real news I trust, um, uh, the the clitoris is real. It's the female orgasm that is fake. That is straight from the mouth of Ron Bergen. That's the only real news I know.
3: (laughs) I just love <laughs> the little peeks into the lives of the Oklahoma and editorial board we get where these <clears throat> poor men's wives have been complaining about headaches and muscle pain and menstrual <laughs> cramps. And he's just like, this is horseshit. shit. You just don't want to do the fucking dishes. I'm best." <laughs>
1: These Oklahoman writers who don't want doctors to be able to prescribe medical marijuana are the same ones who still think their wives need to go to the doctor for hysteria.
2: (laughs) 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 They're the ones who send their wives to a Native American healer for migraines and have a child. Uh, John
0: (laughs) 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 But But it's also, like, subjective reports of symptoms that can't be objectively measured, like headaches, muscle pain, menstrual cramps, and nausea. We give out fucking, like, heroin
2: <laughs> yeah. for this
1: shit. Yeah, you can get like, opiates get it, get it, get it. for going in and saying you have muscle pains. Yeah,
3: have Literally, undiagnosed I, I, I back I, pain. I, I told that
0: story where, like, the doctor was like, you're getting your wisdom teeth out, so here, have this stop doing heroin opioids. Well, didn't they, even ask me.
1: <laughs> it shows such a like lack of any rational thought that they're like, medical marijuana will destroy our state when we have one of the biggest opioid crisis crises in the country.
0: And and to meth be fair, meth. and meth.
1: Yeah, to meth be fair. Too.
0: <laughs> okay, meth is a, a bunch of but, like but fucking. Like opioids are doctor like,
1: <laughs> Opioids America. are doctor prescribed like that, and we have a massive crisis with people. Dying from that. And then they're like, nope, it's marijuana. That's gonna it's gonna kill so, us all.
0: And and so I want to continue because they, they address this. They say SQ seven eighty eight supporters want Oklahomans to believe a state that has problems with quote unquote pill mill doctors handing out opioids like candy will somehow have less problems. Marijuana for headache diagnosis. Which is like, okay, that's true, mm-hmm. but you all don't like the fact that the AG is saying maybe we should be able to sue medical companies for lying about opioids. Yeah. And also like, that's the first time I've seen you all say something about this that says the opioid crisis is bad, and it's not like a, a, a fault of poor people who get addicted to opioids. It's the first time they've criticized this business model. Because they like that business model, where big companies get to make a shit ton of money off the suffering of the poor. That's like what they want. Okay, yeah,
2: yeah. you
5: have to get to like, the next, the next guy. I mean, opioids are addictive so they actually like get repeat customers like once you get someone taking opioids they're taking them for like a long time afterwards whereas if they're genuinely just taking marijuana for something then they're gonna like smoke weed lose their migraine and then go do something else
0: yeah Yeah, but they might go to business they might go to a job they'll go to the jazz clubs and (laughs) uh, start dancing with women (laughs) actually what they're gonna do is um be literally every single waiter or waitress that has ever given an <laughs> Oklahoma editorial board writer their food. <laughs> also, every cook that has ever cooked them their food. I
3: I have to hear you read this <laughs> next paragraph. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. This is really good. This is really yeah. good. SQ seven eight eighty eight would allow citizens to possess the equivalent of more than six hundred marijuana joints.
5: Albert points out. <laughs> yeah. Jazz cigarettes. Exactly. (laughs) Unquote jazz cigarettes. It's 666
0: (laughs) marijuana joints that you would be (laughs) able to
2: possess.
5: (laughs) Because it's the
0: devil's fucking (laughs) 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 lead. They continue. That's also in sharp contrast with other states where medical marijuana is typically limited to one week amount of use. Roughly one ounce. 28 to 56 joints. Okay. Uh So you go every week to get your pot. Uh, Also, like,
3: (laughs) not that I have any knowledge about (laughs) marijuana, but, okay, one ounce, 28 to 50 sticks. So there's, you can double these numbers, and they don't mean anything. (laughs) They mean you can have between 600 and 1,200 joints.
0: Okay, (laughs) I want to say this. I don't, I don't really know how buying marijuana illegally works i've never done that before <laughs> oh, to be clear neither. um i'm sure none of us have but no i was i was, I was gifted it. all of mine
2: <laughs> 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 i'm
0: sure that if you go to your dealer and you're like i oh, want an ounce I want, I want them maybe double that. Can we just have the same price? That's the same you and they're just like, yeah, that's
3: fine. I don't care.
0: <laughs>
1: well, I'm with the state on not giving you enough marijuana to overdose and die off of. I think yeah. that's we just got to not inject it.
3: it.
0: Okay, I've always picked my pot right into my yeah. Um, well, we need to set up
1: a needle sharing program for these <laughs> pot injectors.
5: I actually, just shoving are my
1: strung pot. out on weed. Uh, Alright, committing violent crimes God. for now. Finish
3: this thing already. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They continue.
0: Oh. In I short, SQ788 S- allows people to stockpile and use massive. Qu- you can't stockpile and use. It's an either or. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
0: massive quantities of marijuana, even when they have no medical problems whatsoever. People don't use it now without medical problems. Um, <laughs> that would change. And should those people go to work while impaired and, say, operate heavy machinery, the employer would have to cut through far more red tape to fire or discipline that person due to the employee's, quote unquote, medical condition.
2: No, they wouldn't.
0: You just (laughs) fire them for driving the fucking, for like having your company car and stopping at a stop sign and waiting for it to turn green. Like that.
1: (laughs) How many people do you know like, working blue-collar jobs who are probably drunk
3: on the job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we have booze and pills yeah. that are legal and have, like, as much or less difficulty of getting them yeah, than any of this. And it's like, oh, they'll, this'll be the <laughs> thing.
2: Well, There's, the there's precedent
1: almost... for firing people or taking legal substances. That's not, like...
5: You're not, gonna Oklahoman... not be able to fire someone for being high on the job, it's can like you fire someone for being gay in Oklahoma?
3: Uh, no, yes. no.
5: You, as long as you don't say it's
1: because they're gay. Well, yeah, you. Can well, yeah, fire. You can't at at will. explicitly <laughs> fire someone for being gay, but I'm sure you could fire someone for a bullshit reason you make yeah. up.
0: Because you can fire someone. I mean, it is you can an fire at will people thing. without cause. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have but, any meaningful kind of protection in the state of Oklahoma. Um.
5: Which is important
0: because it makes this whole argument a lie. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: As long as you're not like, I'm firing you because of your marijuana usage. As long as you're like, I'm firing you because I want to.
1: Well, that's <laughs> the also the like their complaint. Off. It would give employ- or give employees like even a half a leg to stand on if they ever got
0: fired for drug testing. Well, And, that's and the th- they can't I let mean, that happen. <laughs> that's the thing is that they're like, what if you show up to a guy... Because they're thinking that if you are sick and you do have a prescription to take some kind of drug, you shouldn't get sick leave. That's 100% how the Oklahoman feels, that you should show up to work and power through it anyway. Which is like, it's it's really not fit to wipe the shit off your butt. It's not fit to wipe the shit off your dog's butt. Let's be honest about the quality of the Oklahoman here. If you do use the
5: Oklahoman to wipe
0: shit and take photos of it and tweet it at them, that's legal. I want to say that's protected. It is.
5: I'm pretty sure this article was written by a like someone said Siri write an opinion article and then just like left the phone <laughs> next to a radio playing the Rush Limbaugh show. <laughs> I think it was actually
0: somebody that like walked into Woodland Hills or like Pearl Springs Mall and was like, "Hey, white suburban mom, your opinion's important. How about you write a an op-ed?"
1: Both of those reasons would explain the copious amounts of
5: grammatical and spelling errors. <laughs> uh,
0: but but let's, let's finish it with the pun you love so much, Adam.
5: Um, could, I, could I maybe read it? Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> I'm honored. Sorry, I just went to the wrong tab. Oh my gosh, how many tabs do I have? Aha! To claim this won't impede business or job growth is forgive the expression a pipe
3: dream. <laughs> I <laughs> I really appreciate that, again, I love the little insights into these guys' lives and the idea that a pipe dream is when you smoke marijuana out of a pipe and then go to sleep.
5: <laughs> I want to know what this guy's... <laughs> <laughs> when
3: you don't have men- debilitating <laughs> menstrual clamps.
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to know what this writer had to like Google search to learn about marijuana terms. Just like marijuana smoking device.
3: <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> that I was a good that. one. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell us about socialist v- events going on in Oklahoma?
0: Yes, uh, we got some, some cool stuff going on this week to tell you all about. Um, Green Country DSA is having a brake light working group on Sunday, February eleventh, from one fifteen to three at Zero Regional Library. That's one of the coolest things ever. You know, they they'll fix your brake lights so that cops don't have a reason to pull you over and then uh, maybe murder you. Um, yeah. Go after do your
1: uh, non medical marijuana.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's important. You know, that, that's good stuff, and we really want to support that. Um, the UCO Socialist Alliance is screening the Black Panthers' Vanguard of the Revolution, which is a documentary about the Black Panthers. Um, on Wednesday, February 7th, from 3 to 5 at the UCO Liberal Arts Building in room 234, uh, Tulsa's new Sanctuary Network has its weekly 20-minute protest on Monday, February 5th at 2 in front of the David Moss Criminal Justice Center, and they're also having a potluck on Saturday, February 10th from 5.30 to 7.30 at Rod and Charlene's at the Clubhouse at Florence Park Condos. Um, and if you need some help finding it or, you know, figuring out the info, let us know and we can give you more information. Uh, I'm also going to link to their Facebook page in the Reddit post. And then uh, finally, Indivisible Oklahoma doesn't have anything planned, but they want us to tell you that um, they're going to call for a snap protest if, uh, Trump decides to fire people in the FBI, so it's always good to go protest Trump. It's good, it's good practice. So if that happens, uh, we'll be letting you know. And that's yeah. what's going on this week.
3: Yeah, and well, as always,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, I got a dollar fifty this week in my pocket, just burning a hole there.
2: So <laughs> I'm ready to spend that.
3: <laughs> yeah, and as always, come check us out at Red Star Ovo K. Uh, the subreddits are Red Star Over Oklahoma. Uh, you can find us at SoundCloud and iTunes, Red Star Over Oklahoma. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, complaints, anything like that, redstaroverok okay at gmail.com. Tell your friends, rate and review on iTunes. And uh, check us out next week. We're going to have an interview with someone from OKC DSA.
2: So you guys have a
3: nice week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.